Yo, 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 it's Coach Theo. What's going on? One of my main concerns as a pastor and leader of a ministry right now is that people just don't have the desire to be fit for the kingdom. I don't know what it is, but they just don't want to take the next step. They're just being a butt first person. I don't want you to be a butt first person. I don't want to be a butt first person. What the heck am I talking about? Let's rap about it as we continue to talk about being fit for the kingdom physically and spiritually. I'm actually on my way to coach my son's cross-country practice right now. I have no notes in front of me, but I remember this message that I was studying the other day and about to preach, and then we switched plans at church to start talking about how to better equip each other to be fit for the kingdom. And so we barely touched on this piece but I want to share it right now because I really think that you need to hear it. You know, people have pushed me to be fit for the kingdom, to put my hand to the plow and never look back, to do more than just believe in Jesus, but actually follow him. And I just want to be that person that pushes you a little bit right now. See, a but first person is someone who always has a, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but first. And we see the same thing play out in the gym like we do in the church. I'm going to get healthy, but first, I have this and that to do. And when this happens or when I have more time or when I have the money, when my schedule is right, uh, then I will commit. It's always something, you know, I got to do this and then I'll do that. In the scripture of Luke 9, 51 through 62, we see three men approach Jesus or be approached by Jesus to actually say, Jesus, I will follow you. One, he actually commands them to follow him. And they say, but first, I will follow you. But first, I have to go bury the dead. Or, but first, I have to go say goodbye to my family. And listen, both are good things, right? Those are noble things to do. But what is Jesus' response? He actually says, nope, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Some translations say is not fit for the service of the kingdom of God. So wait a second. I want to go say goodbye to my family first, Jesus, and then I'm going to follow you. What's so wrong with that? He's saying nothing comes before me. There is a cost to follow me. There's a sacrifice that you're going to have to make to follow me. And even those important things of family matters, that doesn't even come before me. No but first. Follow me. Drop everything. Are you ready? And if not, you're not fit for the kingdom, he tells them. So when it comes to our own lives and following Christ, we may think that everything else is so important, but he's looking for us to stop setting our hearts and minds and eyes on earthly desires. Stop pursuing everything in this world that attracts us and catches us and make sure that he is the one pursuing first see he's using the example of someone who puts their hand to a plow because if they take their eyes off of what they're plowing ahead they're going to either uh, not cut a straight line or not cut as deep and as we're proclaiming the message of God if we start looking back instead of looking forward we're going to get off track not see clearly not run the race that's ahead of us. Just like a runner in a race, by the way, what's one of the main rules? You can't look back. If you look back, you're going to lose some energy, lose your bearings, 
lose intention and focus, why would you look back? It doesn't matter who's behind you, whether they're close or far away. You should be running with full-out effort to persevere and finish that race as strong as possible. Looking back is not going to do anything. Keep your eyes forward. Plow ahead. And if you don't, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now, I, I think I know why some people struggle with this in our Christian faith. It's because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to push people on their walk. We just want to accept people the way they are, and God loves you, and that's phenomenal stuff. But there is a difference between believing, and there is a difference between fully repenting, and there is a difference between a follower who's actually constantly looking for the next thing he can do for Christ. So I want to share with you some examples that will help you in your health world. And let's just apply the same mindset and principles to the faith world. But as always, let me give you a disclaimer. I am not saying that you have to do certain things to be saved. Remember, that is totally different. We're saying once you are saved, then you would see change. And so what I would want you to examine is this. If you really are a believer, then why wouldn't you want to change? Why wouldn't you have the desire to be fit for the kingdom? Because that's what would happen. You would get the desire. In my opinion, I would think you would get the desire. I know I have. And now I know I've made excuses before, so I don't judge and I don't condemn. But remember, once you know, this is what we've been walking people through, the truth, then greater is the responsibility to do what? Take action. And this is the sanctification process of uh, growing in spiritual maturity. So being fit for the kingdom, what does that look like? What does it look like? What does it mean to be fit for the kingdom, Jesus? You want us to put our hand to the plow and never look back. What does that look like? Let me just give you four things. I'll breeze through them off the top of my head that help in the health world and are examples of what we need to do as Christians. We tell people you do have to self-restrain. Stop making excuses, right? You do have to, number two, set rules. You do have to, number three, take at least one step in the right direction, get moving, and then, yes, you will continue to take steps. What's one step that you have to take today? And then four, you do have to separate yourselves from the world and to God. Let me just walk through those real quick. Like I said, I have no notes in front of me. I'm just doing this off the top of my head from what I usually say and what I was just studying. Uh, self-restraint. Why are we so afraid to self-restraint? We do. We're going to have to apply some effort here. We do have to practice self-control and self-discipline. And so um, just like in faith, in the health world, there are some things that, you know what, you just can't eat anymore. There are some things you're going to have to practice control when it comes to staying away from. It's just the practice of, of a, a little bit of our effort and a little bit of our willpower uh, because what? We have to stop making excuses. You know, people don't control your hand when you're putting food into your mouth. You control that. And we're going to keep saying things like, well, uh, as soon as I'm ready, but first I have to go to these uh, work meetings and vacation, and then I will pursue that nutrition program, right? Or people will say, you know, I really do want to join the gym, but first my kid's schedule is so busy. Once that clears up, I'll join. 
Oh, I do want to change my eating habits, but first, let me eat all this junk food, drink all the soda that's in my house, and then I'll really put the good stuff in these cabinets and pantries. You know, it's always like that, you know, something's got to get done, then I'll do it. And self-restraining is, you know what? The time is now. I'm going to go empty those cabinets. Even if I'm going to those work meetings, I'm going to start putting things into practice right now. So self-restraint, you have to do that. There are things that we have to do in our Christian faith to practice self-control and self-discipline. Restrain from hanging out with certain people, doing certain things, going in certain environments, putting things on our schedule that might interfere with church or discipleship groups or life groups, whatever it is. And actually, that leads into the second thing that I want to actually go into, and that's separating ourselves from the world. Because we, we tend to think that we can just continue to live in the world and look like everyone else, but we're not supposed to. So separating ourselves isn't just necessarily physically. And I'm not saying that has to happen all the time because we are supposed to be in the world, right? But I would argue that a lot of us are still doing things that we shouldn't be doing because we're afraid to self-restrain and afraid to look like weirdos. We're going to look like weirdos. And unless you are being super intentional about sharing the gospel and spreading the message, I mean, are you really inviting people to church? So when you say you're trying to be a light in the world and you're trying to be an example in the world and you're trying to be the change in the world, are you really sharing the Bible, Scripture, or talking to people about Jesus? And if not, then we have to be careful. If we're missional and we're intentional, then that's part of where God is putting us. That's one thing. But if we're not, then we have to examine, Do we really? should we really be doing that? So we have to separate ourselves from the world. You're going to look like an oddball when you're eating a salad and everyone else is stuffing their face. I mean, that's just what's going to happen when you separate yourself and you want to be healthy and you want to change your identity, right? You're going to look like you're going to get, I don't know, attacked by your family or judged by your family when at an event you're not eating any dessert. I mean, it's just what's going to happen. We're going to look different in the way we talk and the way we act and our habits and our behaviors and the same things with our faith, you know? I'm not going to go into certain places. I'm not going to talk a certain language anymore because what? I want to be fit for the kingdom. And that's going to come with me self-restraining, stop making excuses, and actually put into practice what I have to do to separate myself from how everyone else lives. And the more we do this, the more fine-tuned we get into our life and the more steps we take, uh, listen, the more separate we're going to become. I mean, there are things that I don't do anymore because there are people in my life who are like, leveled up even more and they teach me anyway so self-restraint separate yourself uh set rules why are we so afraid to set rules let me give you three health rules that we would tell people number one you have to uh throw everything out of your your kitchen and your cabinets that's junk food because if it's there you're going to eat it number two would be set a rule for when you're going to stop eating at a certain time maybe that's 7 p.m or 8 p.m just set the rule because look you might mess up but if you have some rules in place they're going to help you from messing up too much. And number three would be like, you have to pick and choose where you're going to shop or eat because if you go just anywhere, you're not going to necessarily make the best choices or even have an option to get healthy food. So you set rules. We have to set rules for our life if we want to be healthy. And the same things with faith. Like here's an example. Some of our friends set a rule. And again, these are people that are leveled up and that are helping me along in my journey. And they don't do sports on Sunday. They just set that rule. So no matter what's happening, again, they might mess up throughout their whole week, but they have this rule that we are not messing with the Lord's day and we're going to make sure that nothing interferes with that. So they might make mistakes in their life, 
But that's a rule that they set. In our Christian walk, nothing's interfering with the Lord's day. That's just an example, right? You have to set rules. Maybe you're not there yet. I, I wasn't there for a long time, and I would make excuses. But remember, the more you know, the more responsibility you have. And then you have to decide, are you going to take action? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, are you really going to put your hand to that plow? Because once you do, you cannot look back. I will follow you, Jesus. Oh, will you? He told those guys in Luke 9, 51 through 62, you're not going to have anywhere to lay your head. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be homeless. People are going to hate you. You really want to do this? You're going to go into some towns and they're not going to receive you. Go prepare the way for me. And then if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. Let me say this too. There is a difference between consistent people who make exceptions and people who consistently make exceptions. So just remember that as you try to find balance and we strike a balance in our life. There's a difference between consistent people who do the things right to be healthy, who do the things right to honor God, than people who consistently make exceptions. For example, there are people who are so dedicated, they're never going to miss a day of church. They're always there. Something comes up one Sunday, they feel called to go to an event. Maybe there is a sporting championship. It's a one-time, every-six-month thing. They make an exception. That's different. That is different than someone who's always consistently making exceptions, right? Who's never at church, who's never at the Bible group, who never studies, who never prays. So just make sure you know that. We know that when you value something like health, you're going to make it happen. When you think something is really important, you're going to prioritize it. When you really, really want something, you're going to pay for it, like that gym membership. You're going to buy it, like that healthy food. So it's just the same thing in our Christian walk. If you really, really want it, you're going to put your hand to that plow. You are not going to be a butt-first person anymore. It's go time. You're going to put one foot in front of the other, and what are you going to do? Take that first step. So here's the thing. We know it's overwhelming. When we teach about nutrition or fitness, we go, we're going to teach you everything possible in this short amount of time, and it's going to be overwhelming, but we're trying to get you to see where you're headed. Then from there, you take one step. So we're going to teach you about nutrition, about fitness, about sleep, about stress, about water, supplementation if necessary, and then you know, okay, that's what I'm trying to go. From there now, I have to figure out where I'm at and take my first step. If you don't drink water, start there. If you don't do any physical movement, start walking. If you've never even thought about sleep before, just start setting a time at night that you get to bed and at least start there. So you take one step at a time because it can be overwhelming, but at least you're thinking about it and you're headed in the right direction. And then you will always continue through this process to look at what's the next step I need to take. Let's set a goal and take another step because it is a process. I'm not the same person I am today that I was last year or two years ago. So we meet people where they're at. There's no condemnation for making excuses because I've been there and I've done that. So let me just reiterate this. Some of the great biblical giants made excuses before they followed God's lead. Moses made an excuse. He said, I, I'm not a speaker. I can't do this, Lord, before he stopped being a butt-first person. Gideon pleaded, saying, God, I can't deliver Israel, before he stopped being a butt-first person. 
and started following God's lead when he was commanded to. Jeremiah protested, Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am only a boy before he stopped being a but first person. Isaiah said, woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. And then he stopped being a but first person. I don't know. I wish we knew if those three people that Jesus approached in Luke 9, 62, I wish we knew if they stopped being but first people. And when he said, nope, 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 let the dead bury their own dead. You can say bye to your family later. Follow me now. Don't look back. I wish. I wonder what would happen if they stopped making excuses, and they did. So we meet people where they're at. We get it. I used to make excuses too, but my challenge is just think. Do you want to be fit in life physically and for the kingdom? What next step do you have to take? Where do you have to self-restrain and stop making excuses? Where do you have to set some rules? Where do you have to separate yourself in this world from who, from what, to God so that there's a noticeable difference of who you serve first because you can't serve both God and man. It's not possible. And then what's one step you can take because you're just, you're not feeding yourself. You're not leading. You're not, you know, like you should be learning. What do you have to do though? What's that one step you have to take? And I know we've been talking about this at our ministry at FMU Church about what, how are we going to look different? How do we equip each other, train each other, start tapping into the power that God gave us of the Holy Spirit? So I know that one of the things we're going to do is start focusing on the spiritual gifts that God gave us because there is power within us. So what are those gifts? What is your gift? How do we identify those, practice those, and strengthen those? Because what will happen is those gifts are used to serve the body of believers, to encourage, to build up, and to strengthen. It's not for us. It's not about us. But it starts with us, and then it's going to unify and glorify God and the body of Christ. So we're going to be moving into that series. So pay attention and never feel bad because God does love you, and he does give you grace for the knowledge that you do have right now. But now that you have heard this, it becomes a greater responsibility to do what? Start to take action. And what we do is we have to go to the Lord confess, repent, ask for the help and surrender. Because who gives us the ultimate strength and control to do all of this? The Holy Spirit. He is who helps us become fit physically and fit for the kingdom of God. And hey, I'm just a human being. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't take my opinion. Just try it for yourself today. And it may just be an absolute game changer for you and everyone in your life. God bless, guys. Stay tuned. We'll talk more.